0: Welcome to High Food, I'm Home, the podcast where a food psychology coach and work emotions expert, Laura Lloyd, teaches you how to unlearn overeating after work, lose weight without dieting, and diminish your binges using her cognitive, behavioral, and hypnotherapy method. Hey, hardworking woman, I think you're amazing. All that you do. And it's amazing that you found your way here. And you're giving yourself this time. Today we're going to answer a question that I get all the time, which is, when will eating become easy? When will I get to a point where I don't need to think about my food all the time? There are lots of studies about how often we think about things. You've probably heard that thing about men thinking about sex every 10 seconds or something. There was a 2010 survey, just a survey, not a study. It was done by a weight loss company and it made its way into the Daily Mail and Time magazine picked it up. And it said that 25% of women think about food every half an hour. The whole premise of it was women think about food more than men think about sex and... um, I really enjoyed this response to that, that Sadie Stein wrote in the online women's magazine, Jezebel. She said, I think about food all the time, like a middle school boy thinks about sex, or rather like Oliver Twist thought about food. I wake up thinking about all my breakfast choices and despair when I have no appetite. I plan vacations around restaurants, carry snacks, and have a mental map plotted of New York with every delicious snack and edible destination highlighted in bold. At any given moment, my brain scan would be some combination of best brownie recipe, that barbecue place in Alabama, that plum I had once, would chicken work with Membrillo, maybe I have time to bake a pie. I totally relate to this. And how about you? Are you like some of my clients who come to me and say that they are thinking about food 80% of the time and more than the food itself, more than the weight, they want their brain back. They want to resolve the overthinking. These questions about when will it become easy are so pertinent because underpin them is an idea that we could get to this point where our food struggle is fixed, where we don't have to think about it anymore. So today, I'm going to talk to you about what really is going on in our brains when we're looking for easy solutions. And I want to show you, this is going to be great. You're going to love this, chickpea. I'm going to show you how there is another option other than hard or easy. And when you're feeling like, oh God, I can't face my food struggle. I can't face tackling my binge eating. I can't face another attempt on my weight. What's really going on is you're needing a break from the way you've been thinking about it. So I'm going to offer you another way of thinking about it that might allow you to re-engage with your process and have the patience to allow that process to unfold without wishing it would just leave you the fuck alone, <laughs> right? What you need to know about the brain is that the brain has what's called a motivational triad. There are three things that m- the brain is always looking to achieve. And that is, it wants to make your life easy. Yeah, yeah. It's looking for shortcuts. That's why it's so brilliant at creating habits and how quickly we create habits that we don't actually want. It wants to make life easy. It wants to avoid pain and any kind of discomfort, any kind of emotional discomfort. And let's face it, even things like mild boredom, register with the brain as discomfort, avoid, avoid, avoid make life easy, avoid pain, seek pleasure. Yeah, your brain wants reward. It remembers pleasure and it's very quick to form habits around pleasure because it re-suggests like, oh, I remember that thing we did, it's great, let's do it again. And that's how emotional eating might have started with some, I have memories of getting home from a day at school, having felt really lonely or isolated or bullied and finding my way straight to making myself an enormous cheese and tomato sandwich and being able to go and retreat in my room with the sandwich, with a drink, a glass of milk and a book. These moments when we feel a bit crap and we use food to keep us going, uh, in this case, to for, allow me to sort of keep doing the homework that I needed to do to kind of incentivize me to apply myself. That's an emotional connection that is with me to this day. When I want to sit down and do something, my brain still remembers the pleasure of a cheese and tomato sandwich that I had, <laughs> what, 30 years ago, <laughs> right? But now it's just a habit. It's just a habit in the present. I don't need to spend time in psychotherapy going back to the Mare of Casterbridge moment and trying to remember what happened that day or trying to remember how it felt to be burdened with that huge piece of homework and my expectation that I would read the whole book. I need to address my habits in the present day. What I'm really doing is trying to illustrate to you how... Our brain's so brilliant at remembering pleasure and repeating it and saying, let's do that again. And food, my love, chickpea, food, let's face it, is easy. It's at our fingertips all the time. It's everywhere, in every shop, the whole time. So people want to know though, when is it easy to stop eating? When does it become second nature to choose foods that are in the favour of the things that I want long-term, health and slimness. Well, the good news is that thinking about food differently does get easier over time. Like the more you practice new thoughts, the more you'll find that the kind of contradictory thoughts and the arguments with yourself calm down. So you won't spend so much time in debate with yourself. And that's why I spend quite a lot of time with my one-to-one clients, teaching them how to make some decisions ahead of time and just follow through on their decisions so that 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 kind of should I, shouldn't I debate and then the second guessing your food choices and regretting them doesn't take up so much extra drama space in your head so that your brain's free to really concentrate during the day on, am I actually hungry? Am I enjoying this? Am I ready to stop now? And that's where we want your attention to be during eating. We spend far too much time, in my opinion, worrying about should I eat this or should I eat that? And diets have played a part in really reinforcing that by giving you a list of foods that are good and foods that are bad. And that means that we end up trying to manipulate our body size and our body shape through the foods we choose rather than our choices about whether we're eating when we're not hungry. So we think more about what we eat than about how we eat. And it's a big, big mistake. The second thing I wanna suggest to you is that the feelings we have about foods, our attachments to them, our desire for them are fueled by thoughts. Desire is a feeling and it's not foods that create that feeling of desire, it's our thoughts about the foods that create that feeling of desire. So if you've listened to my episode on the T sequence, T-E-A, thought, emotion, action, you'll know that it's thoughts that create emotions, not things. So when I see a slab of dark chocolate, I might think, ooh, sickly. Or I might think, ooh, looks great, fancy it. And either way, my emotion will be disgust or desire depending on how I think about it. And so you can train yourself to think less desirous thoughts, to stop sexing up the foods that you want to not be so attached to in your mind. Stop thinking about how delicious they are and how amazing they are and actually think about them as being less nice. It's powerful to visualise some of those foods as a pile of junk or a pile of rubbish. But I'm not saying that they're bad foods. I'm just saying that we have unrealistic expectations of how wonderful they are and how much they'll deliver. You ever got yourself a cupcake and it's so pretty and you've sort of fantasised about it and then you eat it and it's just so sweet. It's so sweet that your like throat contracts and your tongue does something weird at the back but most of the time we overlook our actual information from our body about the food because we're so busy, caught up in the fantasy of what that food means. This means I'm treating myself. This means I've got me time. This means this and that and the other. So over the course of time, we can change our thinking about food and our constant desire will calm down. Also, we'll learn over the course of time, and I haven't done an episode this season on urges, but I will do one day, because once we learn to work with our urges, they calm down. We don't try and override them with our willpower all the time. And as such, they do stop coming in so thick and fast, like we're constantly being activated. By everything around us, constantly being triggered as people would say. But does eating become easy and is it really sensible that we look for easy? Can you hear Elbow and Oriole? They love to Different Maybe we should go visit them. Go easy on my baby I was still a child Didn't get the chance to Feel the world around me Had no time to choose What I chose to do so go easy on me. So cool. Tell me some things that are easy in your in your opinion. Um getting ready for school in the morning. Because I've got the routine. Yeah. How does it feel when something's easy? It feels achievable, but if it's too easy then it's like one and one, then it's just not a satisfying easy, it's too, too easy, basically. And what's the satisfaction that you get when you know it's not easy, but you accomplish it anyway? It feels like I can do anything if I put my mind to it. And if I ask for help if I need it. And if I hit walls in the journey to the end, I would break through the, wall, the walls somehow or another and get to the end. And then you'd feel what? I'd feel really, really, really proud of myself and really good of myself and say, hey, I can do anything. We've been conditioned that dieting is hard, that solving our weight problem is hard. And we hang around in groups of women talking about how hard it is and exhausting, that it's going to involve a lot of sacrifice. Being strict is hard. Restriction is hard because you are either succeeding or failing. And either way, you're learning nothing. You get into a tightening cycle of self-hate the more you fail and that's exhausting. You get, have less and less confidence every time you try to diet and you fail again and you remember that you failed before or you even regain weight and people can see it. You have greater and greater self-criticism, less and less belief in your capacity to unlearn those behaviours. So that's a kind of hard, which is not very valuable. It's just draining. But there might be another kind of hard, which is very rewarding. The kind of journey where, yeah, it's hard having to take control of your mind. It's it's hard in the sense that it requires your attention. You never get to zone out. There is no food psychology journey that I can offer you where you just switch off and you get to the results you want because your ability to pay attention to what you're doing is going to be your superpower I'm asking you to switch on when you eat and then maybe the in-between you can relax and concentrate on what you want to concentrate on all right The next episode you are going to want to tune in for because it's all about how not to eat your face off after work. And you're going to hear a little bit about what happens when I pick my kids up from school every day. You're going to hear about how to deal with the three key emotions that hit me at 4 p.m., tired, stressed, overwhelmed. You need this info so show up, make time for yourself and don't forget to tune in right at the end, there's something special for you. Chickpea insight's amazing isn't it but it's not as powerful as actually taking action. If you want to take action and learn to coach yourself, go to my website, I've got a stop after Work Overeating Roadmap video and workbook for you. That's at co. For the hypnotherapy today, this is just a way of finding your way into a deeper relaxation and it's often the first thing hypnotherapists do. Often we'll create some sort of effect with your eyes where your eyes feel tired and then We're just doing that and adding in the idea that your eyelids feel very heavy and your eyelids would like to close all by themselves. So because we are gonna close our eyes today, whatever you're doing, see if you can pause it and be in a safe place where you would be able to close your eyelids. And before you do so, Just listen along with me and I'll talk you through it. Often what hypnotherapists will do is they actually roll, ask you to roll your eyeballs up towards your eyebrows without tipping your chin up and it just tires your eyeballs out. But there's no mystique to this, really we're just looking for little ways to give your body the hint that your eyelids would like to close. So the most important thing is whatever you're doing right now, just see if you can use your imagination to tell yourself my eyelids are really heavy they have a life of their own they would like to close all by themselves and if I don't resist they would just like to close all the way down they have a life of their own they'd like to close all the way down and give in to that feeling close your eyes and feel this lovely relief of allowing yourself to go into your inner world, into that beautiful, velvety, dark space of your inner rehearsal room, where we're gonna rehearse some thoughts and anything I say that is useful to you, you will latch on to and take to heart. And anything that I say that doesn't resonate for you, you just let float on by and any sounds or experiences that are happening around you that you don't need right now you just let float on by focusing for these moments on the special words that are meaningful to you I'd like you to think for a minute about your journey imagine yourself on a physical journey with all different kinds of terrain. Imagine taking a long hike or doing a long journey through a woods or over hills, whatever kind of terrain you would like to choose to travel through. As you look ahead, you can see that the terrain is not without challenges. Imagine yourself moving through that landscape. Putting one foot in front of the other and enjoying the power of the continued determination of taking one step after another. Imagine the feeling, the satisfying feeling you get. The more you move your body, the deeper breaths you take. The more the roses appear in your cheeks. The brighter your eyes become. Imagine stopping for lunch and how alert your senses are grateful for the food you've really earned imagine taking that journey and staying conscious knowing that it's not an option to close your eyes and just stumble forwards that you need your senses open so that you don't trip or stumble, but that it's also wonderful to have your senses open. This sense of being in control of your being, of navigating the journey yourself, anticipating things you might need to step over Looking forward to places that look nice to take a rest or take in a view. That sense of pride and deep satisfaction that comes with being on a journey. Always being able to say, I took that trip. I took myself there. I was right out there in the elements with it. Engaging with the meaningfulness of existence it's yours to keep forever and the journey continues forever and I willingly continue my journey